Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm interested in every aspect of food, from restaurants to chefs and cookbooks to culinary travel, food news and opinions, even the science and politics of those things delicious. So by listening to this show, you'll hear daily dispatches from bar stools and wine cellars, opinions on home cooking and new ingredients. There'll be features with top chefs about the ingredients they love. Because this is where I love to dish. If you love to cook or love to eat or, well, maybe you're just hungry, well, (laughs) you are definitely in the right place. And I'm always serving up seconds, by the way, at chefjamie.com. You'll hear this show every weekend, and I do hope that you get totally addicted. I've had almost 17 blessed years on the radio, and this is what I love to do. Share my passion about food and cooking with you. And you can always find my daily dish, by the way, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. But for the next hour, it is my goal to feed your soul. I kick off this show with a conversation, a method, a technique, a culinary gab, I guess you could call it to hopefully make you the best cook you know, to give you informative, entertaining, and delicious inspiration. And then coming up, we have some really grand guests who are going to share with you their passion and their knowledge. I would love to tell you that I am delighted to have a big name in the house today. Master baker Dan Leader of Bread Alone, the first artisan baker in this country who really led the way to create this beautiful bread movement, Dan is here. And he has dropped by to share what is truly beautiful, a new book after nine years that we have all greatly anticipated. Yes, he is sharing what he calls living bread. And It's his insights and his stories from years of baking and traveling the world to learn about the beauty of master baking. And so Dan Leader coming up. Also, Nikki Marie is here and we're making simply elegant pasta dinners. And who doesn't want a comfortable, cozy, yummy pasta dinner tonight? So please do stay tuned and don't touch your dial. But back to the knowledge The topic on the table for today has long been used in Indian and Caribbean cooking, and it's showing up in everything from bottled smoothies to beauty products. So let's take a moment to talk turmeric, shall we? Turmeric has been getting lots of attention. It's always been available in the powdered form, but it has grown in popularity. Today, you can find fresh turmeric available, and all because this growth, that is, of its active ingredient, curcumin or curcumin. It has the most potent anti-inflammatory properties, and it has been shown to be so beneficial for a multitude of 
ailments, whether it's stomach issues or memory, high cholesterol, diabetes, bruising, even slowing the spread of cancer. Now, turmeric was traditionally called Indian saffron because it had that deep yellow-orange color that has been used throughout history as a a condiment. Um, But turmeric itself has a healing remedy. It's also used as a textile dye, if you didn't know. Now, it has long been used in Chinese and Indian systems of medicine, and I think it was Dr. Andrew Weil, the uh, white-bearded gentleman, who was probably one of the first, the great holistic doctor, to start talking about his adoration for all things turmeric, and I credit him with uh, sort of starting the movement itself. Turmeric, if you didn't know, is a cousin of ginger. It's also a root. And it has a very sharp, slightly bitter flavor. And while you find the ground turmeric in the spice section of your grocery store, fresh turmeric is about a hundred times more pungent to me. And it is now available in the uh, chilled or refrigerator section of your produce area in the supermarket and very readily available at Asian markets. Now, it provides the intense color to classic yellow mustard and to curry powder. And you often find it in chutneys. It's the base for the spice mixture garam masala. But how to use it, that's coming up. Some studies have shown, and I want to tell you this, that combining turmeric with black pepper and a fat source like olive oil, coconut oil, actually improves the absorption of the anti-inflammatory properties. And so, therefore, back to food, the culinary uses for turmeric are endless. So, I make a turmeric ginger lemon tea that I drink at night, and I simmer the root, the turmeric in its fresh form that I've peeled and cut into pieces with half a lemon in a small sauce pot of water. Um, Sometimes I'll add a little bit of honey. Uh, I like to offset the bitiness of the turmeric and a little turmeric goes a long way, but I'll make a big batch of it over the weekend or at some point during the week and it'll last me three, four days. I keep it in the fridge and then I heat it till uh, hot throughout at night and I'll take a cup up to bed or I'll sip it at the end of the evening watching TV. The flavor is fairly intense, by the way, so you do want to start with a small amount and then increase it once you get used to it. There are lots of helpful ways to use turmeric to better your body, though. Um, You can add ground turmeric to your morning smoothie. I have a smoothie recipe coming up for you, though. And by the way, to that smoothie, you'd want to add a little bit of coconut oil to boost the absorption. You could add half a teaspoon or so of dried turmeric to any soup recipe. It adds a really deep golden hue and there's this wonderful delicate flavor. And if you don't add too much, you won't find that the flavor changes too much. You could add a pop of color to rice by adding that half teaspoon of ground turmeric to the water. You can boost mac and cheese. It just looks cheesier. Your kids will never know. Half a teaspoon of turmeric to your cheese sauce goes a long way. And it's really great when you're cooking lentils or other legumes. Now, to use fresh turmeric, again, I suggest that you peel it just like ginger root. And then you can grate it on a microplane grater. You can slice it into thin slices or chunk it into pieces. And you can store it in in a sealed plastic bag in the refrigerator. It stays up to about a week or so once you've peeled it. They're little teeny knobs. And so it takes a little bit of effort. But... um, 
to make a better body, it's well worth it. I mentioned the tea that I make at night uh, or the infusion, you could call it. Um, but you could also add fresh turmeric root to your marinade for chicken or fish or even beef, like a teaspoon of the grated root adds a big color kick and lots of flavor. Great with chicken. For fresh turmeric, once again, add a little bit of finely grated, like the microplane grate to your stir fry. When you're sauteing the vegetables, sort of toward the end, and you'll get a a great health boost. And then I happen to like it paired with eggs. So if you sprinkle it into egg dishes, it's really easy to use the dried version, or you can grate a little bit into a frittata or a quiche. It enhances the color of the eggs as well, and it's just beautiful. So that's the lowdown or the down low on this superfood. If you want a recipe to incorporate turmeric into your daily life, I have this anti-inflammatory turmeric smoothie recipe that I think I've mastered, and I would love to send it to you. It is our bonus recipe this week. It's full of tropical flavor, it's body boosting, and it tastes really good. You start with frozen fruit, you can throw it together half asleep in the morning and take it in the car on your way to the office or uh, for the kids. Um, I will tell you, it's sweet enough from the fruit that they won't even know that the turmeric is there. And I'd love to share it. So email me, jamie at chefjamie.com. It's J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. You can just put turmeric or bonus recipe in the subject line, and I will send you my anti-inflammatory turmeric smoothie that will make your body come alive. And then let me know how you use turmeric. You can just email me at that same address to dish. I'd love to know. All right, coming up. Yes, we are talking the beauty of bread. He is America's foremost artisan baker, the creator of bread alone. Master baker Dan Leader is here, and he's waxing poetic on flour and salt and boules and sourdough and more. So stay tuned. There's lots more delicious conversation in your radio right after this. entertaining and delicious conversation abounds. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The baking world is all abuzz because the major new cookbook from the pioneer of bread alone who revolutionized American artisan bread baking has just released a new book and it is inspired by bakers around the world and the lessons learned that he is so very grateful for along the way. At 22, Daniel Leader stumbled across the intoxicating perfume of bread baking in the back room of a Parisian boulangerie, and he has loved and devoted himself to making quality bread ever since. 
Dan went on to create Bread Alone, the now iconic bakery that has become one of the most beloved artisan bread companies in the country. And today, bakers and enthusiasts and professionals from all over the world flock to Dan's headquarters to learn his signature techniques and his baking philosophy. So learning from a living legend is quite something. As humble as he is talented, this master baker has done it again. And his third cookbook, destined to be lauded as this year's biggest cookbook release, is available now. I am very honored and delighted that Dan Leader, the author of the new release, Living Bread, is here to dish. And it's very nice to have you back after many years, Dan. Welcome. Such a pleasure to be here again. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, pleasure is mine. Thank you. Um, this is quite a, a brilliant manual. Kudos to you. Um, I, I love that you say that bread connects us. And you've said that for a long time. Expand on the philosophy, if you would. It's funny. When I go to a party or I go with a big group of people and people say, what do you do? And I say, <laughs> oh, I'm a bread baker. Immediately. There's an interesting conversation. It's true. Oh, I went to this favorite bakery in Paris. I went to this favorite bakery in Rome. My grandfather was a baker. My grandmother was a baker. It's just, it's, it's kind of like music. Mm. It just, it creates a bond that people can quickly and easily uh, connect to. Yes, for sure. And I would believe, and, and I know how humble you are, but it must warm your heart to know that you paved the way for artisan bread in this country and that you have really nurtured that homegrown passion that continues to develop for for home cooks for novices for connoisseurs aficionados professionals and otherwise i mean you're who we look to well it it certainly wasn't a plan (laughs) (laughs) never is right It, it, it was definitely not a plan no i mean i i think that um i stumbled into this hmm. and uh I just have been very, very lucky in my career to have met so many, like, really wonderful bakers and really great bakers. Hmm. And, you know, I just, I just share what I've learned. Yes. So it's, it's easy. Well, you, sh- you share it well. And by the way, that was a very good stumble. Uh, <laughs> tell us about some of those encounters. There are wonderful stories in the new book, Living Bread, that... Uh, the experiences of you learning and so grateful for those lessons from bakers around the world that you're paying it forward, passing along now, um, those experiences led to your writing, Living Bread. And they really are amazing lessons. My agent actually introduced me to a, a wheat farmer in Sicily named Sylvia Saletti. And I went there by chance. And uh, she was growing this amazing wheat called Senatore Capelli. Mm. And then she introduced me to um, uh, an agronomist who runs this amazing research farm uh, nearby um, who basically is reintroducing um, Grano Antico into the marketplace. And then they introduced me to a miller, uh, a Molini Riggi in, in Sicily, and then they took me to the baker who was making <laughs> these fabulous breads from Grano Antico. Incredible. So, I mean, I, I've just been really fortunate that, like, each door, there's never one door. No. There's many doors Always. to each door. Yes. Isn't that true? Um, can you share a few tips for the home baker from the best lessons you learned, let's say, with your mentors and teachers in France? There is nothing like a loaf of French bread 
out of the oven in Paris to me. I, I mean, that's that's a meal. Open a bottle of wine, right? Um, yep. Some beautiful cheese, and you won the lottery. Uh, there are there are so many simplicities and the beauty of those. A couple of those lessons we can apply, like to bread baking this weekend, right? I met a baker um, uh, again uh, by chance, uh, a, a man named Richard Rouen, and he's a, a mayor over here in France. They called him a moth in French, M O S. And here was this guy who's who's one of the most bakers in France. You mention his name and people, it's like, it's like mentioning Pavarotti or something. Wow. And um, so I was very intimidated when I went to meet this guy. I was like, he must have special flowers or special sourdough. And, and I go to meet him and I happened to be there when he was making his baguettes. Oh. And he, t- he took flour and water and he let it sit for an hour. He mixed it up, let it sit for an hour. He added one gram of yeast Per thousand grams of flour, uh, uh, twenty grams of salt per thousand grams of flour. Mixed it for four minutes and put it in the refrigerator overnight. And the next day, he divided it and shaped it and made these extraordinary baguettes. And I was like, like what could be simpler? Right. And here's this guy who's at the at the peak of the French baking world, and and there wasn't anything that the average person couldn't understand. Before I let you go, uh, can you name one? I know it's like asking you to name your favorite pet or child or otherwise. One essential piece of equipment for bread baking at home. Daily bread. If if I had to pick one One. essential piece of it, one, I would pick um, a cast iron pan with a lid. A cast iron. Because you you can mimic a brick oven. Ah. With, uh, with a cast iron. Everything else you can do by hand. And, and the depth of such said um, skillet? It, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of like, um, I would say, you know, it's got maybe five inch sides. Yes. And it's 10 inches across with a lid. I have one and now I have no excuse not to bake bread. Absolutely. <laughs> I will, have no excuse, you have no excuse anyway. Anyways, so that's I, very I, true. I, I, I wouldn't accept an excuse. Uh, thank you. And, and I won't give you one. Um, and I will use the new book as my guide. Congratulations to you. It is an encyclopedia of knowledge. It is so full of love. Um, and your passion comes through and through. And I know that this third book will be the greatest bestseller uh, of yours yet, I will say. Um, but thank you for gracing this show, Dan. It is truly my pleasure to have you on the radio. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank I you hope so, much. so. Yes, my pleasure. Living Bread, the new book release from Daniel Leader, Tradition and Innovation in Artisan Bread Making from the founder of Bread Alone. It is a groundbreaking cookbook. It will give you a comprehensive picture of bread baking today. And it's for the enthusiastic home baker. It has twists on classic classics and traditional recipes and it's sprinkled with anecdotes and these beautiful photos from Dan's travels and his encounters with artisans who have influenced him and he is passing along the knowledge. Living Bread is a love letter, a a cutting edge guide 
all about making good bread and you have to see it. You have to have it. The book just released, available now on Amazon and fine bookstores everywhere. Uh, You can follow Dan, of course, and uh, the beautiful culinary escapades of bread alone. And we hope for more beautiful books from Dan Leader in the years to come. I'm not letting you off the hook, Dan. I'm just not. (laughs) We We have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show and the delicious conversation continues right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. There's food and wine and it's divine. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Welcome back. Do you want to up your pasta game? Well, Nikki Marie, the blogger behind Chasing the Seasons, is transforming your pasta repertoire with her creative combinations like French onion penne, oh yes, red wine spaghetti, oh get this, white wine spaghetti, even better, and her broken lasagna with white truffle butter, which I can't wait to make. Her recipes are sophisticated enough to impress at a dinner party, but easy enough to throw together for a quick family dinner. And so I am delighted she has stopped by to dish. Nikki Marie is the creator of the blog Chasing the Seasons. Her recipes and food photography have been nominated for a Savour Blog Award. And her first cookbook has just released, entitled Simple Elegant Pasta Dinners, 75 Dishes with Inspired Sauces. We are no doubt going to up your pasta game. And I welcome you, Nikki. Congratulations. The book is so delicious looking. Like I almost, I almost licked the page. It made me hungry. <laughs> thank you very yes. much. And, and congratulations to you. Uh, oh, thank you very much. Yes. Uh, it's like, like an, another beautiful baby in the family. Um, you say in your, what is a very poignant intro to the cookbook that pasta is the consistent ingredient throughout your life. And I loved that. I grew, I grew up in, um, a, in a family with, of Italian influence. I'm from New Jersey. Um, and we celebrate everything with food. Uh, mm. Every holiday, every special occasion was marked by a feast, um, usually at the hands of my grandmother. And most notably, um, a, a, there was a consistent ingredient throughout my life, and that was pasta. Mm. And as a busy mom, that's still an ingredient that I rely upon. Um, it's fast, it's versatile, it's cost-effective. And I'm hoping with this book to elevate what you know about pasta and how you think about it and how you cook with it. Yes, and and you are no doubt elevating because when you speak to pasta, it is a very simple ingredient, right? You say take your favorite type of pasta and up your game because a little bit of truffle butter goes a long way with a pantry staple. It does, and it makes it feel elegant. Yes. And um, that's the, the consistent theme with the book. I want people to... Think of pasta um, as more than just a comfort food, as more than just, you know, a casual family dinner and maybe um, impress upon it as something that can be elegant, but doesn't have to be more complicated than your go-to, you know, say spaghetti and meatballs. Um, A little truffle butter, Mm. you know, nobody has to know that the truffle butter was was bought. So you don't have to have um, access to truffles um, to give the same feel and the same impression. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I love that one ingredient wonder concept. Um, could you answer our pasta questions first? And when I say our, I mean the cumulative hour, you know, all of us inspiring minds want to know. First and foremost, fresh or dried? I think both. Yes. Actually. Um, you know, fresh for sure if you want to roll up your sleeves and make pasta from scratch, but dried uh, just as much. And that's the most convenient. Um, it's a go-to. It's, um, it's not necessary. There's so many uh, very good brands out there now where you don't have to make it from scratch if you don't ever want to. But in the book, I give you both options because there are days. I, I know in, in my house, especially on a weekend, um, that I get the kids involved and yes. they like, you know, cranking the pasta machine hmm. and getting involved. So absolutely hands down both. I, okay. It's just, it depends on your preference. Good. I like that you mentioned at the beginning of the book, some do's and don'ts. There is a right time to salt the pasta water. I definitely would say there's a right time to, to salt the water. Yes. And that's when the, the water is at a full rolling boil and it should be generously salted. Um, salting it too early when the, when the water's cold, um, you'll risk evaporating some of that salt as the pot is heating up. And you want that salt content. Um, no matter what kind of salt you already have uh, prepared for the rest of the dish, the pasta needs to be flavored. It needs to be seasoned. So absolutely, when it's at a full rolling boil, that's when I would suggest salt your, your water. Yes, and I was taught by a great Italian that the water should taste briny like the ocean, like saltier than you think it should. Um, that great Italian cook also taught me if you have spots on the bottom of your pots that you can't seem to clean off, that is from salting pasta water too early because the salt, uh, falls to the bottom of the pot Mm -hmm. and therefore almost tarnishes it. Uh, right. It does. And so it's a lesson learned uh, that you Mm -hmm. need to change your ways. Um, You say do not add oil. And that seems very reasonable to me. If you think about it, nothing is going to stick to the noodle, which by the way, I like more sauce than noodle. So get more sauce in there. If we oil the water. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I have, dare I say, members of my family and close friends who do add oil to the water, and I can taste the difference. Huh. Um, it adds a slickness to the pasta, and then the in- intended sauce doesn't adhere. You need that starchy gluten, you know, that yep. starchiness that on the pasta to stick. It acts like a glue. Same reason why we don't rinse pasta, um, hot pasta, when we're making a dish, because we don't want to compromise the integrity of the dish. So ample water and adequate stirring, especially initially when you first, um, add the pasta to the water. That's all you really need to do to make sure that the pasta does not stick. Okay, good. Now, back to that wonderful inherent starch. You say that mm-hmm. pasta water is liquid gold, and I don't, I don't think that we can hammer that into great cooks' heads enough. I have chef friends who keep pasta water in mason jars. Yes. Like, it's prized. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we can make an entire sauce out of that with just a little bit of Parmesan cheese. That's the cacio e pepe. Right. Um, now, pasta water is liquid gold. And I'm, I'm not sure how much I need sometimes when I'm, because I don't, I don't measure when I'm cooking at home. You know, the measurements were for the cookbook. But when I'm home, I'm just cooking. And I go by, you know, taste and, and feel and texture. So I usually take um, like a large four to five cup measuring cup and just dip it into the pasta water and, t- and draw out far more than I probably need. Sure. But um, it's essential, especially in an oil-based 
sauce. It helps to emulsify and soak in the oil. Um, I keep some on hand because we don't always all eat together at the same time. Mm. I have my husband comes home later or, you know, I, my, my son's in sports. And so it helps to reconstitute a pasta dish that maybe started to cool down a little bit and, and stick together, a little reheating, and add a little more pasta water, huh. and it helps to bring the dish right back to life. Super smart. Thus the mason jar. And I think mm-hmm. the idea of dipping a large measuring cup into the pot is so smart because we've become accustomed to, by training, pouring the water out through a colander to capture the pasta and down the sink, when at that point you have three tablespoons left, you think to yourself, oh no, pasta Mm -hmm. water. So if we, that's very smart. If we get accustomed to uh, fishing out some water before Mm -hmm. we ever dump the pot, then you have a pasta water safety net. Absolutely. You use what you need. That's right. Yeah. So once it's down the drain, that's yeah. it. It's gone. There's no getting it back. V- very brilliant. If you've just tuned in, by the way, you're late because Nikki Marie is here. She's the creator of Chasing the Seasons. And this new, beautiful, brilliant pasta cookbook has released from Nikki, Simple Elegant Pasta Dinners, where we're taking a pantry staple and just making it so brilliantly delicious. So Nikki, let's cook. Um, I share a love of bucatini with you. Yeah. Oh, yes. There's something about the way bucatini holds sauce. Uh, but I oh, couldn't absolutely. I couldn't get past like the, what is it, the second ingredient in your book? Might have been the first mm-hmm. or the separate, right. second recipe, rather. You make a bucatini with cider, caramelized apples, and honey crisp. So those are three of my favorite things on the planet. And, you know, it's a, it's a different recipe for sure. Um, you know, in that I think... Well, maybe I should back up a little bit. I think it's a different recipe for us here in the States. Hmm. Um, it was actually uh, Lydia Bastianich who introduced apples, grated apples in a tomato sauce that she had encountered in Trentino, um, an area in northern Italy that's heavily laden with apple orchards. And uh, apples are, are used in savory dishes all the time. So I was hoping to bring that kind of pasta inspiration here. And bucatini is a great noodle. It's thick and it's uh, robust. It holds to the, to the ingredients. You know, you get a big twisted forkful and you sweep up all those caramelized onions and those honey crisp apples. And it's a dish that's been a favorite among my recipe testers hmm. and in my family for quite some time. Yeah, I could imagine why. I, fried sage to boot. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, died and gone to heaven. And the yeah. apples, you know, when they cook down, they lose their crunch, but they don't lose that soft bite. And they add, it's not a sweet dish, you know, not at all. We don't want a sweet dinner. Um, it's a sweet and savory. It's the element of the caramelized onions and the sage and uh, the Mm. robust extra virgin olive oil that brings this dish together. Oh, Nikki, you are making me so hungry. We're making simple, elegant pasta dinners. And why not pasta tonight? There's more delicious conversation in your radio right after this.
We're back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Nikki Marie is here sharing her new cookbook release, Simple Elegant Pasta Dinners. Oh, bring me a bowl, a big bowl of comforting pasta. Talk French onion penne. Notice I, I, I chose recipes all from the autumn or fall season of your book. And you cook pasta for every season. But that is a hearty, beautiful, bring it on, like everything we love about French onion soup with penne regatte. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. French onion soup meets pasta. Yes. (laughs) It's it's such a family favorite. And it's all done in one pot. Um, for the most part. I mean, you're boiling your water separately and cooking the pasta, but then everything comes together in one pot. Um, we, we caramelize the onions, and we bring them down with the red wine, very, you know, French onion soup flavor. And then we add Gruyere cheese, and we add it to our pasta. We let it, the pasta absorb a little bit, mm. and then we pop it with mozzarella and some rosemary and just pop it under the broiler, just enough to melt the cheese and crisp up you know, some of the, I love when we get those little brown spots on the mozzarella cheese. And, yes. You know, it looks so good. And you bring it to the table. You can serve it family style. And it's so nice. Soup meets penne. You know? Oh, so nice. Um, okay, I'm moving on because I think we have to have a serious conversation about lasagna. <laughs> I, I think the lasagna noodle gets the short end of the stick. It has only one purpose. I know it's mm-hmm. a big purpose. And I'm speaking to a great Italian cook. Uh, yes, lasagna is beautiful in all of its yeah. glory. Absolutely. But then, but then what? Right. So I thought it was exactly. so bright of you to break up the noodles and that white truffle butter that we alluded to earlier mm-hmm. goes in with fried sage and broken lasagna sheets. Mm-hmm. And if you have a box of lasagna noodles lying around, this is just smart and different. That's one of our favorites. Um, it. I started breaking the lasagna when I would just have a couple of uh, ribbons of lasagna left in my box of dried lasagna. Huh. You know, I didn't always have to use them all when right. I was making traditional lasagna. And um, if my daughter was about four at the time, and she used to like to break them. And so I would give her that task. And that's, you know, getting the kids in the kitchen, too. And she would break them into these little pieces. Some of them were a little bigger than others. And uh, this is one particular recipe where we use it. I use it a couple of times throughout the book. Um, and it's a great way to sort of sweep up all that sauce. And it's a fun conversation piece at the table because sure. it's unexpected. And it has a lot of surface area. So it's mm-hmm. definitely perfect for sopping sauce. Absolutely. And then there's this simple, lovely sauce. I can't wait to make that. I'll give you all the credit, I promise. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, fall, uh, autumn, uh, the pumpkin craze. Uh, how good is this pumpkin pappardelle with the brown rosemary butter? Pumpkins are a mainstay on my autumn table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from late September through November, I try to incorporate them as much as I can. That's you know, the king of, of autumn, the pumpkin. Um, and this is a, a dish where you can you can roast the pumpkin yourself if you want to, but the canned variety is okay too. And um, it's just it comes together with a homemade pappardelle. Um, this is a hand-rolled dough where I use a pizza cutter and I just cut the ribbons to my desired uh, width. You know, the kids like them a little bigger than than maybe I would do normally <laughs> sure. because it's a fun it's a fun dish. But then again, like we were saying, it's that element of you know the unexpected. So it's the addition of the pumpkin that makes this 
something that feels special. Otherwise, the rest of the ingredients are so simple. It's butter, rosemary, a little pecorino cheese, and yeah. that's it. A little pasta water. Really easy. You know, a little goes a long way. It's very simple, but it's a memorable dish. Red wine spaghetti is making its way across the country. But you make a white wine linguine, that which I had not seen before. And I love the idea of the richness of Parmigiano-Reggiano and a little bit of butter to finish it, offset Mm -hmm. by the acidity of the wine. That inspires me. Um, It was was inspired by the red wine variety, which um, I had been making for years. Hmm. When I first had it in Italy, like I want to say over a decade ago. So you're right. It's taken a long time to catch on here. But inspired by that version, I created the white wine uh, linguine. And um, you parboil your pasta first, just until it kind of bends. And then it's an entire bottle of I use Sauvignon Blanc. Um, it finishes cooking in the entire bottle of wine. Uh, but the, the, the pasta absorbs all of the wine. I mean, so much so that there's really just a little bit left in the pot. And I add a little bit of the broth and the butter, and it just becomes an essence. And the flavor that it, it, it imparts, I mean, every biteful, it's just robust because you, you're you left with all of the flavors of the wine. Thank you for sharing the sneak peek of the book uh, and the first opportunity on the radio to share uh, the release of your first cookbook. Yeah, uh, I'm, yes. I'm delighted for you. Simple, Elegant Pasta Dinners, the title, 75 Dishes with Inspired Sauces from the much-loved creator of Chasing the Seasons. You can reinvent pasta night with the help of Nikki Marie. These are sophisticated yet simple pasta recipes for every season, and it will become your go-to cookbook. The book is available on Amazon and in fine bookstores everywhere now. And you can follow Nikki at Chasing the Seasons for her culinary escapades. Nikki, will you come back? Uh, Let's talk winter and then spring again and then summer, please. Because uh, I can't be my pleasure. (laughs) I would love that. I can't get enough. Oh, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation and fabulous food. And well, if food is your fetish, I hope that I supplied the tools. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary inspiration for today. And I'll hope that you will become a fan and a friend on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Chef Jamie Gwen, where I will post this recipe. And it is a three-ingredient slow cooker Hawaiian chicken because I love my slow cooker And as the school year and the holiday season get underway, it's really nice to have dinner ready, right? This is a three-ingredient wonder recipe that satisfies all of your sweet, spicy cravings, and the slow cooker does all the work. So my three-ingredient slow cooker Hawaiian chicken is chicken thighs on the bone that stay really moist and juicy with crushed pineapple and your favorite barbecue sauce. Talk about a cheat, but it's slow cooked, so tender, and so delicious You will love it, guaranteed. Serve it with some rice and a salad. And yes, dinner is ready. So post it on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Chef Jamie Gwen. Go and steal my three-ingredient slow cooker Hawaiian chicken recipe. And then please come back here next weekend and meet me on the radio for lots more to feed your soul. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well.